Hello, hello, hello. First of all, I have to talk about that intro because I had an amazing friend of mine. I asked him for a favor and he went above and beyond what I could have ever imagined for the Book Club for Baddies official intro. So I just wanted to shout him out real quick. Thank you so much. You can find him on Instagram at sx underscore am underscore. You have got to follow him. He's an incredible artist. Thank you again. I am in love with it. Okay baddies it is a yo girl sit on the mic for the podcast i'm gonna take up singing after this so you guys better watch out sid after this seven months just doesn't give a fuck about anything and she's down for whatever is next oh, oh my gosh it is so nice to be finally back doing a podcast episode. I always feel like I wait so long in between, but this time baddies, I seriously had a good reason because your girl Sid has been going through it. These past seven months have been some of the most crazy, intense array of emotions I have ever felt in my life. And I'm going to do my damn best not to get too sensitive on this episode because It's not about being sensitive. I think after going through all of this and within the next couple of months after everything kind of settles more, I will finally be able to understand full circle, full scope of why everything happened. And the one thing that I have to say is the universe is fair because it's unfair to everyone. And I can't sit here and say, oh my gosh, why did this happen to me? I'm such a good person. I try my best. I try to grow. I try to help people. You know, I try to help myself. I I try to put positive energy out into the world constantly. And, you know, when I first found out about my diagnosis, I was shocked to say the least. I never... I can't say I never thought this would happen to me because honestly, throughout my life, I just kind of felt like something drastic was going to happen in my life. And I didn't know what it would be. You know, obviously, you kind of hope for the best out of any situation. Um, But life is crazy, intense, and you honestly never know what's going to happen. And you can sit there and you can try and predict your future and you can plan, 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 plan your whole life out. And there's always going to be something that is going to be unexpected. And what I've learned throughout my life is as long as you are prepared and you prepare yourself mentally that there is so much unknown, that is the best that you can do. And honestly, when I started this podcast and I started reading all of these books. This is kind of like my preparation for these crazy situations to happen because now I can do my best to move through my emotions, analyze them, and then work through it and be a strong person. I wanted to come on here tonight because I was going to drop the first half of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I really wanted to review this book for this podcast because I was like, okay, yeah, like I don't give a fuck. I mean, I give a fuck a lot, actually. And I wanted to review a book that I 
thought would be a good book for the time. And when I had went to the bookstore and I was looking through all these amazing books and everything, I was really just kind of in the midst of everything that was going on. When I started to read the book, I started to realize that I had an even different perspective than if I had read the book before my cancer diagnosis. So then I was like, shit, I need to stop, not record the podcast episode until I came on here and really told my story about my cancer journey. And because I felt as whenever I do my podcasts and I read these books, I take a ton of notes and I had so much to say and I was just relating so many things back to how I was feeling during the cancer journey and like, you know, all of these great pieces of like knowledge I felt like I got after going through all of this stuff and I will continue to go through and grow and And I'm excited to see the new perspective that I get on each and every book that I review now. But I wanted to come on here and tell my story first so that when I release or air the episode, it makes more sense because I do end up making a lot of references to my cancer journey. And I thought, you know what, fuck it. I I finally came out after six, seven months of going through everything after I had my surgery And I had posted for the very first time on social media about what I was dealing with. And I'm a very private person when it comes to a lot of different things. I don't like people feeling sorry for me. I don't like people feeling like they're obligated to treat me different or to feel bad for me in any way just because I'm going through something because everybody's going through something. And I just kind of tried to move through each and every day as if it wasn't really going on because that's how, that's the only way I knew how to handle it at the time. So I guess I will really kind of start from the beginning. I feel like I'm a very healthy person. I work out often. I eat pretty healthy. I don't smoke. I mean, depends. <laughs> but I, you know, I have my wine and I drink and stuff here and there, but like I'm not doing this stuff all the time. I'm not out there partying every single night. I'm not running my body down. I'm like, you know, I'm taking care of myself. I take care of my skin and my teeth and everything. I'm like, yes, I'm healthy. I don't think I'm going to have any issues, whatever. I work out often and one day I remember I was just working out and I tend to feel my body a lot just because I'm very aware of my body and you should always be very aware of your body for health reasons. So I was feeling my body and I I had felt this like knot. It was in my like right glute-ish area. And so I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe I pulled a muscle or something. Hamstrings started to feel tight. I just knew something was off. And so I continued to work out and everything. And then as time progressed, I started to see this knot form even more and I could see it in the mirror and I could see it in the clothes that I was wearing and I'm like this isn't right I need to go and figure it out so for me I thought it was a muscle because it was pulling my hamstring like I said working out often so I just expected it to be that I didn't think it could be anything else I thought maybe if anything it could be a cyst so my next door neighbor at the time and a really great friend of mine Um, she is an anesthesiologist. And I remember we were taking our dogs to the park down the road. We were walking together and I was like, can you feel this? Like, what is this not? You know, I'm like, not trying to have you touch my ass like that. I'm not trying to be weird, but there's something going on and I don't know what it is. And she felt it and she was like, hmm, yeah, you should definitely go get that checked. 
She's like, whatever it is, if it's a cyst, anything, I think you're healthy, but I would go get it checked just to be safe. I was like, okay, I'll go get it checked, whatever. I let some time pass. And, and then finally I went to the doctor, got my physical, everything. I told her about it and she felt it. And she was like, hmm, you know, that's definitely like a knot or something. I can refer you to physical therapy and then I can send in an x-ray for you to go get done. So I was like, okay, cool. She gave me some like pain medication, whatever. And then I just went on my way. So then I started doing physical therapy and I did physical therapy for probably around six weeks. And the woman there, she also was like, I don't know what this is. Your hamstring's really tight. We can do some micro needling, whatever. I was doing that for a while. And then finally she was like, I think you need to go get an MRI because I don't think this is a muscle. It's got edges. It's not acting like a muscle. Great. Like now I got to go back to the doctor. I already got my x-ray. They said nothing was wrong with my right hip, obviously, because it was for bone and joint. I was like, oh, great. Now I got to go back. So then I went back to the doctor and I told them, hey, you know, my physical therapist is telling me this is not a muscle. I think it's a cyst. So can I get an MRI? And the doctor there was like, yeah, we'll put in something for you. Uh, we'll go get, we'll have you do an MRI. They'll, it'll let us know kind of like what it is. And at the time I was more worried about them taking out this huge cyst and then what my ass cheek would look like. Cause I was like, oh God, like I don't have much to begin with. So I was like, please Lord, don't take the rest of what I've got. And I was more concerned about physical appearance instead of my health because I still didn't think at all what was going on was what it was. So then I went, I got an MRI and I waited, I think like a day and then I got the results back. And so I was reading the results and I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know what any of this means, blah, blah, blah. So I call my anesthesiologist friend again. I'm like, hey, let me read this to you because I don't know what any of this means. I'm Googling some stuff and it's just not making sense. And so pretty much it told me that I had this large partially cystic I think it said heterogeneous lump. I don't even know exactly what the words were. Obviously not lump, but there was obviously something there. And so, you know, I was talking to her on the phone and she was like, probably just trying to keep me calm and not go crazy. And she was like, I don't think it's anything serious. It's fine. You'll be okay. And I'm like, okay, um, all right. I'll, I'll try not to think about it. And then I remember my orthopedic doctor. He called me and he was like, okay, we're going to set up an appointment and we're going to go over your MRI results. I'm just hoping like it's nothing crazy. And I just kept remember, I kept telling my friends, as long as it's not cancer, as long as it's not cancer, like, you know, I don't care what it is as long as it's not cancer. And then I remember going into the doctor's office that day and I was with my partner at the time and the doctor was so dry. And at the time I just really I, I could not connect with him. He he just was so dry, like no personality, nothing. And he just sat there in front of me and was like, I don't know what this is. I've never seen anything like this. I don't know what it is. And I want to do a biopsy. And uh, my stomach pretty much just dropped. He was like, it could be malignant. It could be benign. So malignant is when it has it's cancerous and benign is when it's not cancerous. And it could be just a tumor. It could be whatever. But he's like... From the MRI, I cannot tell what this is. 
So I'm going to schedule you a biopsy. They're going to put you under because I want to take a huge chunk of it because at the time it was pretty big. And I want to send it to pathology and I want to make sure I get enough that we can really figure it out. And he said, I don't think we'll have to cut off your leg. And when I heard that, my fucking heart literally dropped through my ass. And I was like, what? Cut my leg off? Like, I I couldn't even believe it. So then I start tearing up and, and I'm just like, okay, hold it together. Sid, you're going to be fine. Whatever. It's going to be okay. So then we set up the day, everything. We left. I called my friend and I was letting her know and I was like you know he said he said he's gonna not have to cut off my leg like what does that mean like this is crazy and and she was like oh my god he's got such bad bedside manner like I can't even believe he would say something like that to you like that's just so unprofessional and I was like yeah fuck him like I hated my doctor at that point because he was telling me things I didn't want to hear I just wanted him to sit me down and be like, hey, you're good. You know, it's a cyst. We're going to take it out. You'll be fine. And I didn't get any of that. So my emotions were just so intense. What did I do? I think I had a CT scan before my biopsy. Yeah, I think he put in a CT scan before my biopsy and then he scheduled my biopsy. So I had a CT scan. They make you drink this disgusting fluid. And then you go in and then it's super quick. Like MRIs take forever and they're the worst. But the CT scan was quick. I went in, out, and then I got the results back, you know, like the next day or something. It told me that there was no malignancies anywhere else in my body. So every other part of my body looked fine. It just looked like there was just that one tumor right there. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that sounds good. Like the rest of my organs, everything was working fine. Everything looked good. I was like, okay, thank God. So then I went and got my biopsy done. They put me under, which was probably about the funnest part of everything because they gave some good drugs. And I went under, it was super quick. They took a chunk. I think I maybe had like five stitches or so. Then I was just waiting on pathology. I didn't really want to have my family around at that time just because I know that emotions get really high and very sensitive and when it's someone in your own family, it's kind of harder because you can't really control your emotions like that around those people, around your own family, your own blood, like the people who have been there since you were born. After a couple of weeks, I was kind of back to doing whatever. It was the worst part about it was it's literally my right butt cheek. So every time like sitting down and anything was just so uncomfortable. And the crazy thing is going through all of this, I never felt sick. They ask you when you're at the doctor, are you having night sweats? Are you feeling nauseous all the time? Like, do you have headaches? Like anything like those are indications of, you know, maybe a progressed cancer, but usually cancer, you don't feel anything until it's so far along. And especially with the type of cancer that I had. And so got my biopsy done, was pushing through my life, like everything, still trying to be hopeful, still trying to be positive. I was like, you know what? As long as it's not cancer, as long as it's not cancer, please, 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 please. Finally, they got the pathology results back. At this time, I had went to Tennessee for the first time to shoot the Not Your Mother's commercial. So they had me out there for a week. And I was there with all these other amazing girls. And for me, I just keep trying to push forward. I just 
keep going and and stay focused on the things that matter. And I'm trying to just do what I need to do. I finally got this really amazing project that I'm working on with a great company. Like I'm so excited. It's a really awesome time of my life. I'm so happy doing what I love to do. I was there for a whole week. They had us booked in this hotel and they had us go get our hair done and our nails done. And then they had us do a fitting and then they gave us an off day to get checked up to make sure that our hair and everything looked good. And then they had a couple shoot dates for us afterwards. So at this time, then I had a doctor's appointment and I remember my doctor's appointment was at like eight in the morning and that was scheduled on the day that I was supposed to have an off day. But then they had me come into the studio on the off day to get my hair checked. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to miss my doctor's appointment. It's fine. I'll go another time, whatever. That morning, they saw that I missed my appointment, my doctor. And he had one of the nurses or people, um, who, whoever, call me. And they were like, hey, we saw you missed your appointment. What's going on? We really need to see you. So we would like you to come in. Can you make it any time today? And I was like, shit, I'm in Tennessee. Like, I don't mind driving because it was only two hours. It was in Chattanooga. So I was like, okay, I can make it down there. I have to go to the studio real quick. I checked up. I said, what time do you guys close? Like, can I just come anytime? Because I honestly didn't know when I'd be able to make it there. I'll make it when I can, when I'm done. And they were like, yeah, just come in whenever. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, is this going to be good news or is this going to be bad news? Because they're calling me. I miss my appointment, which is normal. I feel like a lot of doctor's offices do that. It's like they're calling me. They want me to come in. Like, what do they have to say? And my overthinking ass is thinking literally everything. And I usually tend to think the worst of things at first, just because if it's not the worst, then I'm not let down. I can, I prepare myself by thinking it's going to be the worst, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I went, I got checked up everything for my hair and stuff. And then I was like, okay, I can make it down. So I started to drive and I get all the way to the doctor's office. So I go in there and I sit down and my doctor comes in and he's very dry. like usual. He's asking me how everything went. I showed him my stitches. I think he took them out that day. And then he was like, so you have a sarcoma. And I was like, okay. And he's like, sarcoma is, it's a type of cancer. Literally just thinking to myself, this is, this is like a nightmare. And at the time I was there by myself, my partner was of the time was out of the state with his family and I didn't go with Uh, I had booked the stuff in Tennessee and I wanted to go work and everything. So I was there by myself. And so he proceeds to tell me I have a cancer and I'm sitting there like, okay. And he's like, well, you're taking this really well. And I was like, in my head, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like start bawling here? Like, um, I'm just trying to take this information in. Like you just told me at 26 years old, I have cancer. I don't even know how I'm supposed to react to that kind of news. He proceeds to tell me, he's like, I think the CT scan, it looked good. It didn't look like it was anywhere else, but CT scans aren't as clear, I guess is a good word to say, as a PET scan. So he's like, I want you to get a PET scan as soon as possible. And then I referred you to the Emory Oncology uh, and radiation. So you're gonna start radiation. 
sarcomas. Chemo doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be better for you. And he's like, you know, if you don't need to do chemo, I'd rather you not do chemo. I'd rather just do radiation, cut it out, and then we watch it from there just taking all these notes in my head he's like okay and then that was it and he gave me all the information he was like i will set up a date for you to start radiation as soon as possible we want to get this thing going so that you can get the radiation rest for about three weeks so that the skin can kind of heal a little bit and then we'll do surgery and we'll remove it it's like okay I guess this is the next step. This is what I got to do. And I just tried to hold it together the best that I could. And I remember walking out of the office and I had to stop at the front desk because I had to get all this information. And I remember just trying to hold it together till I got to my car. And I'm almost happy that no one was with me because I felt like if somebody else was with me at the time, I don't know if I could have held it together the way that I did until I got to my car. Cause I don't, I don't want to cry in front of everybody. I'm just like, got this crazy intense news. And I'm just like, fuck Sid, get to the fucking car as fast as you can before you just like cannot hold this in any longer. So I get my paperwork and I go and I like get to my car and everything. And I texted my partner and I said, it's a synovial sarcoma, it's cancer. And I remember him calling me or me calling him. And then I just kind of told him the news and everything. And I was just very straightforward. I, I didn't even really like let it go at that time because I'm just trying to be strong. This is happening. This is real. Like I can't change this outcome. I just have to move on to the next step. And so I tell him and everything. And then I'm driving back to fucking Tennessee. And I remember I called my dad because my dad's been in Canada for a while. Um, and my mom's in Ohio, so I didn't have my parents here. And, and you know, at these times, like, it's, you just really need your family and you really need your parents most of all because they're your parents. So I called my dad when I had gotten probably maybe like 45 minutes out and I was just trying to process all of this information And I remember I called him and I just was bawling. And I was like, dad, I have cancer. And I told him and he was like, Sid, you're going to be okay. Like my dad's a very, he's just a, he's a very strong person. Like he doesn't lose his shit. And especially not in front of me or like on the phone, especially if I'm already losing my shit, because that's not going to do anybody any good. So He's like, Sid, you'll be fine. Like, you got this. You're strong. You're healthy. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. We're going to beat it. I'm here for you. I'm going to try and make it down there as soon as possible to see you. And so then I'm just driving back to Tennessee and I did not tell my mom and I did not tell my sister or my brother because they would have lost their shit. And I was like, I have to be strong. And that's why I called my dad because I was like, okay, he's going to be very straightforward about it. He's going to give me the strength that I need. I said, don't tell mom, don't tell anybody. I haven't told anybody yet. And so I get back to Tennessee and I'm there, I'm in the room and I'm just, I feel like I'm in a daze. I, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm not hungry, nothing. Like I can't, I just can't eat. I don't even want a glass of wine. I don't want anything. Like I'm just sick to my stomach. And I remember my mom called me and she was like, how did your doctor's appointment go? And I was like, well, and then she started to cry. And she's like, your dad told me 
what's going on. And then of course I lose my fucking shit. My sister called, my dad fucking told everybody that I told him not to do because I didn't want everybody to be sad. And so he told everyone and I was just crying, crying, crying. I was crying so hard. I had the fucking worst headache ever. And I was like, mom, like I have the worst headache ever. I don't have any medicine. I don't have anything. Like I just want to just close my eyes and be comfortable. And I couldn't even do that. I couldn't even get the comfort of closing my eyes and falling asleep and just forgetting about all of this for just a moment. And so I'm laying in bed and I, like your life just feels like it's ending. That felt like I'm, okay, I'm gonna die. And then my stupid ass literally went on Google. And so at this time, I didn't actually know what type of cancer I had. He said, it's a, it's a sarcoma for sure, but I, we need to wait and pathology is going to let us know exactly what type of cancer. I'm freaking the fuck out, Googling all of this shit about sarcomas, everything. And obviously when you Google anything, it's never a fucking good idea. You're never going to hear what you want to hear. You're never going to read what you want to read. It's going to be a whole bunch of BS. It's going to tell you pretty much you're dying like tomorrow. And at this time, I'm pretty much going through this dark spiral. I'm laying in bed. I feel sick to my stomach. I feel helpless. And I remember just thinking that I'm dying. And I'm like, how can I survive this? Like, who do I know who's had cancer that survived? Like, I can't even think of anybody. My my grandma had cancer. She passed away from it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm 26 years old. And I haven't even lived my life yet. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it there tomorrow for this shoot and everything. And I have to go and smile in front of the camera and pretend that everything's okay and pretend that I'm happy and give it the best that I've got to give because I sat there and I was like, I just want to go home. I'm in Tennessee. I don't have my siblings. I don't have my family. I've got no one. I'm sitting in my room alone there digesting this scary information that I just got. I felt more alone than I've ever felt in my life. And I was just crying and I was like, I just want somebody to give me a hug and just be okay. And I remember finally falling asleep and I fell asleep. It was so early. And then I woke up with the most intense anxiety ever. And I just Immediately when I woke up, I was like, I have cancer. The sleep didn't even help. I was just terrified. And I was like, Sid, you're gonna do this. You're gonna stay. You're not gonna go home. Like this is something that you've wanted for so long. You work so fucking hard to get these jobs and these projects that you're working on. You're not gonna let cancer take over your life. Because if you only got so much fucking life to live, you better make something of it and you better do this shit and rock it out and give it the best that you fucking have. Because this first week was a test shoot. So they were picking the girls who they were going to bring back and do for the real commercial. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to give it the best fucking shot I got. And then I can be a mess afterwards but I cannot let this cancer, I can't let anything fucking take this from me that I've worked so hard. So the next day I got up, I went to the shoot, I killed it. They loved me. They were like giving me such great feedback. I was like, yes, I'm doing this. Everything's great. I ended up going home that night instead of waiting the extra day and staying the night because I just want to be home and I want to fucking cry. And then my partner at the time was like, I'm going to fly back. And my mom's like, I'm going to fly to Atlanta tomorrow to see you. I'm so extremely proud of myself for sticking it out and staying there because I would have never 
had gotten it and booked it and gotten this second shoe and been able to sit here now and be like, I fucking did that. I would have given up, went home and cried and been a mess and then, and regretted it and regretted that I didn't give it the best fucking shot I had. And so I finally went home. My mom ended up flying in the next day. That was a whole hot mess. My mom was just, she was sad the entire time and I felt like I was taking care of her the entire time and it just wasn't helping me. So then my partner at the time flew in. After that, tried to just make light of it and move through each and every single day with just whatever energy I could summon from myself and my soul just to get through each and every day. And I was like, okay, you know, the next step, I gotta go get radiation. So then I went to my radiation, my first appointment, he lets me know everything that I gotta do and go through. And he was an incredible doctor as well. I honestly got so blessed with the doctors that I had. They were all incredible. He was super kind. My oncologist told me, we're gonna do radiation. And the only thing is though, with your age, if you wanna think about having kids, because of where the radiation is, it could possibly hit your right ovary. And I'm gonna do my best job I can to make sure that it doesn't. He was like, you might wanna think about freezing your eggs because the radiation could hit your right ovary and it could shut it down, cause it to stop completely. You could go into premenopause. So now I'm thinking, holy fucking shit, am I gonna be able to have kids? Fertility treatments are gonna be crazy expensive, and they are, literally, to get your eggs frozen, it is like $6,000 for the procedure, and then like another $6,000 for just the medication, because you have to give yourself shots every single day, a couple different things, and then it's just fucking intense. And then you have doctor's appointments every other day. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll look into it. So I remember going home, and then, that it was like everything happened in a step. Like once I started, once I completed something, then I was like, okay, the next step. And I just let my mind focus on what my next step was because that's the only control I had in my life at that point. And just keep moving forward. Do whatever the fuck they tell you to do. I started Googling shit and I came across kind body. It was the first thing that came up fuck it, I'll call him. They have an office right in Buckhead, wasn't too far. I was like, okay, cool. So I called him and I remember speaking to this woman named Amanda, who honestly was an angel. And I told her, I was like, straight up, I'm 26 years old. I just got diagnosed with cancer. I have to do radiation. They tell me if I want to make sure as like a security blanket, if I want to have kids later on, get my eggs frozen. And uh, so I'm calling you and I need to know when you can get me in to start these treatments so I can get my eggs frozen so I can immediately start radiation. And she went and she checked and she was like, I can get you in tomorrow if you're ready. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. She was like, also they have a couple of different programs. One was like Live Strong and it's for people who have cancer and it helps pay for your treatment or your medication or anything and it and it helps take care of some of those bills because $12,000 just dropping to freeze your eggs at 26 years old, I was like, fuck, I didn't think I was gonna have to do that, you know? And luckily I had a supportive partner at the time and 
I'll do what I have to do. So I got all of those forms in and I had sent them to my oncologist, had him fill it out. I sent it back and, and she was like, okay, just come in tomorrow and we'll do your first session. So I went in and they did my blood work and they did like an ultrasound. And thankfully, because I was on birth control consistently throughout my life, uh, I was able to start right away because I didn't, when you end your birth control or you stop taking it, you get your period within a day or two, just automatically. And so she's like, you're in a great position. We can start everything. We can move forward, get this done quick. Because I was like, I need to get this radiation done as soon as possible. I went in, she was so incredibly sweet, so just kind and thoughtful. I remember when I was leaving, she was like, we have we have a gift for you. And she had given me a bouquet of flowers. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is just so nice. They were like, we know, I'm trying not to get emotional. We know you're going through a lot. And we, we want you to know that we're here for you. And we're thinking about you. And I remember I just like started to cry. I had tried to fill out a couple of those applications that she had sent me and stuff. I remember later that day she called me and she was like, I talked to some people. And I want to let you know, we're going to take care of all of your medicine and we're going to pay 50% of your procedure. So you'll only owe $3,000. And at that time, that was like the only fucking good news that I had gotten. All of this shit I have to fucking go through. All of these things that I didn't expect. And then this person is just helping me take a breath and I can just be okay for a second. This is incredible news. Like, thank you so much. And I just honestly cannot be any more appreciative of all of those women at that center. I totally recommend if anybody needs to go get their eggs frozen, definitely go to Kind Body. So then after doing, it was like a week and a half of the shots and all of the hormones and everything. I remember I got a call back and it was not your mother's. And they were like, we we chose you to come back. We want you to come back. This is the date. Are you are you able to make it? I said, fuck yeah. Like there's not shit that's gonna fucking stop me now. Like I'm going. Thank you so much. Like another just piece of amazing news. Amazing things can still happen to you when you're going through tough times. And as long as you can stay open like that, open to the good things that are possible and that can happen when you are going through an extremely tough time, they will be there. They will come to you. I called my fertility doctor and I was like, hey, I have to leave to go out of town. So I need my eggs retrieved by like this Monday because I have to leave Tuesday. And she was like, that's pushing it. I don't know if I can make that happen. We can only do this in a certain amount of time. This whole process is so fragile. We can only mature your eggs so quickly with the hormones and fucking a like i swear to god if this shit if this cancer shit fucking takes over my life and i'm not able to do the things that i want to do i'm going to be livid and i just remember like fuck this cancer shit i'm going through this i'm trying to fucking live my life and by the grace of fucking god i ended up being able to get my eggs retrieved that Monday before I left. I think I ended up leaving Monday night instead of Tuesday because I had to be there Tuesday morning, check in, whatever. And I think that was just a whole day or maybe it was a a fitting day or something, but I was like, I don't want to be driving in the morning. I just want to go. 
And so I went there to kind body. They put me under a little, I was definitely out. Don't remember anything. Super easy experience. I thought I was going to be a crazy bitch after taking all of those hormones. Surprisingly, I was not. I don't know how, Um, but I was pretty chill and I just dealt with it. And it was a really great experience. And they were able to retrieve a ton of eggs and freeze them. And they were all good. So I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And then I went up to Chattanooga and I shot the commercial. So they used bits from the first commercial, the first like test day. And then that day, it was like a full two days of shooting for the rest of the commercial, which was incredible. Such an amazing company to have booked this project with. And then I came home. And then once I was home, I started radiation, I think the next week. I was scheduled to do five weeks of radiation. And so I would go Monday through Friday. Radiation was super quick for me. There was there was maybe like five minutes of laying on the table. Um, beforehand, I had to go get molds made of my body and everything. And then they just lay you on there. And those women there were incredible as well. Oh my God, everyone, the whole radiation team there was just amazing. And throughout this whole experience, I really met some of the kindest hearted people ever. They made it so much easier going through all of this crazy shit. And so I did a week of radiation and PET scan done. So I got it done. I think I think I got it done right before I started radiation. And then I got through a week of radiation. They got my PET scan results back and they said that some things came up and they wanted me to go see another doctor and that the cancer might have spread to my lymph nodes in the area. And I was devastated. I was like, fuck, I made it here. I made it this far. This is just another step I have to take. So I went and I talked to the doctor and they had pretty much told me on your PET scan, your lymph nodes lit up a little bit because when they do a PET scan, they give you an IV of glucose and it runs through your entire body and they have you sit there waiting and pumps through your entire body and then you go get a scan. And it pretty much lights up all the areas that are really active. So your brain's obviously going to be lit the fuck up. If you were talking too much, like before on the phone or whatever, they say don't talk on the phone because if you're talking too much, your mouth will light up a lot. Pretty much all of your other organs that are constantly working are going to light up. They said after the PET scan that my lymph nodes were a little bit lit. I was like, okay, well, what does that mean then? They were like, well we want to do a biopsy of your lymph nodes because we want to make sure that the cancer didn't spread to your lymph nodes in that area. If they did, then we want to do chemo instead of radiation. So then I'm thinking, holy fucking shit, I'm going to lose all my fucking hair. This shit's just getting worse and worse. And then I'm thinking about, I'm in school at this time. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do school? I'm not even going to be able to concentrate. When I was just taking my three classes over summer, like that shit was time consuming. And I was like, how am I going to be able to possibly focus on finishing these classes or even starting them and then doing chemo and everything else? I took the news and they said, we're going to schedule you a biopsy as soon as possible. And then we'll see what comes out of it. And if it's okay, then we'll continue radiation. And if you end up having cancer cells in your lymph nodes, we're going to switch you to chemo. So I was like, all right, well, let's fucking do it. And so I went home and my partner at the time, he went to work 
And I remember I was fine until I was alone. And then I started doing more research because at that time we had figured out that I had synovial sarcoma, which happens in teens and young adults. They don't know why it happens. It's a super rare form of cancer and usually tends to happen near a joint and it happens in the fatty muscular tissue. So once I knew what kind I had, then I was doing research and it was saying if it's contained in like the little area, they're able to get it out quick before it spreads to local, which local is then your lymph nodes in that area. And then distant, the type of sarcoma that I have, it tends to go to the lungs. I'm like thinking, holy fucking shit, if I have fucking cancer and my lymph nodes, then my chances of surviving this are drastically lowered. Before I thought I was dying and now I'm like really, really dying. So I remember coming home and I just was laying in bed and this time I really lost my shit and I just could not control myself. I was like, damn, I thought I had it bad before. Now I got it even worse. I don't know what to do with myself. No one can console me, nothing. And so that night I remember I had went to my partner's work and we sat down, we were having wine and I was just thinking about how much shit I have not finished in my life. And I was thinking if I only have like five years to fucking live or even maybe even less than that. I'm like, like what, what do I do with the five years? Like I've got so many things that I want to finish so many things that I haven't even started yet. And now my life is ending. I have nothing to show for these years, these 26 years of me working my fucking ass off. And I've always been the type of person where I just go, 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 and I hustle, and I, I take on so many things because I just want to be successful, and I want to I be able to show what I've put my work towards, like what I've worked so hard for, and I want to be able to have something to show for it. And I was like, I don't even, I don't even have enough to show for it. I'm back in school, I'm finishing my degree, which is amazing, but like, is it worth it? If I only have this many years left, like, is it worth it for me to finish school? What do I do with my time? And that's when I started to prioritize my priorities. And I was like, okay, spending time with my family and my loved ones, that needs to be a priority. Me doing what I feel like I wanna do every single day is a priority. What makes me the happiest? My podcast. That makes me happy. I want to keep doing that. And then I started to put in line the things that I wanted to be able to work on or complete or do. And I was like, hang out with Leo, like go to the parks with Leo, like do all of these things that that meant more to me in the moment instead of things that would mean something to me later on. And that was really hard for me because there's so many things that I want to do in life. And... I started to think, will I ever get married? Will I ever have kids? If I have kids and I have cancer, would I want to bring kids into this world if I'm not going to be able to take care of them? How would they live their life if they didn't have a mom? And then I started thinking like, where's Leo going to go once if I pass away? Like all of these things. And I'm, I'm just getting ready to just pretty much write my fucking will and be like, all right, this is where my shit goes. This is where my money goes. This is where Leo goes. Like all of this stuff. And it's it's the most intense thing in the world because you're 26 years old or any age, honestly. And 
you don't know when your life is going to end. But then I sat there and I thought, you never know when your life is going to end. Why are we waiting for this death sentence before we do the shit that we want to fucking do? Why are we not doing these things now? Why are we not prioritizing our happiness and our fulfillment right now instead of waiting? Let's get this shit going. There's nothing else I could possibly wait for. No one's guaranteed any amount of time in their life. And I think when you're given a diagnosis that pretty much has a death sentence attached to it, then you're just, it just makes it more real. And I think that moment is what shifted my thinking tremendously and really just changed the way that I look at my life and life in general. And I'm extremely thankful for it but also it was a fucking terrible fucking realization at the time. I had my biopsy scheduled. I went and this time I was super bummed because I didn't even get to get any good fucking drugs. They like barely sedated me and I sat half in, half out of a CT scanner while they thread this huge needle down into my lymph nodes to suck out all the cells put it on a little dish and then they go check it out in the back and come back and let you know if you have cancer in there or not. So I was sitting there feeling a good bit of what was going on. They, I'm just literally watching it on this monitor above the CT scanner. They were like, we can't put you under because in case we hit a nerve or an artery or something crazy, we need to know if you're in pain. I'm like, great. I really just wanted some good drugs and you're not even giving me that. So this is kind of a bummer. And then they wheeled me back into the waiting little area and they came in and finally, for fucking once, they gave me some good news. And they were like, we did not find any cancer cells in your lymph nodes. And that's really good. And meanwhile, they only biopsied one lymph node because the other one was even more crammed in between important nerves and arteries and all this crazy stuff. And they were like, okay, we're just going to test this one. If it's good, we'll keep doing radiation. My doctor had called me a couple days later after he had gotten the news too. And he's like, it's Friday and I don't ever fucking call anybody on Friday unless it's good news. And you got some good news, girl. Your lymph node was fine. So go and enjoy your weekend. And then I continued the next week, four more weeks of radiation. And my radiation, I didn't really have that many side effects from it. I did feel very fatigued at one point. I was like, I cannot work out. I can't do shit. Like I'm so tired all the time. I was still going through school. I made it through the radiation and then they told me I had a couple weeks to break to let the skin heal a little bit more before they went in and did the surgery because they wanted the skin to be able to heal enough after the surgery and radiation affects the healing process. I just kept moving forward. And then I had my surgery October 29th and I went in and they put me under. This time it wasn't as much fun with the drugs. I don't know why I wasn't, didn't feel that great. So I went and I had surgery. I was in excruciating pain afterwards. I was like, nurse, drug me up because this is not it. Nothing could like ease that pain. And then my doctor came in and he was like, Sydney, 
Everything went amazing. I had two nerves that were like wrapped around this sarcoma. And he's like, I was able to pull it off. And I remember he told me, he was like, one of them's your sciatic nerve. And he's like, if I injured that or something happens, like you won't be able to tap your foot again. He didn't really tell me about the other nerve till afterwards. He's like, wiggle your feet. Like, let me see you wiggle your feet. And I could move my feet. I could tap my foot. He's like, awesome. That's amazing. And then after a little while, once I started to come to, I was like the back of my whole back of my leg and like pretty much my whole butt cheek was numb. And I was like, I can't feel it. And he's like, yeah, you might never ever get feeling back there again. The good thing is we got it out and everything looked good. Honestly, I don't give a shit as long as you got that motherfucker out of there. Like we are good. I spent the night in the hospital, went home the next day, and then pretty much just started recovery. So a couple weeks after my surgery, I had a post-operation checkup. And so I went in, he checked my stitches. I had 20 stitches. It looked a hell of a lot better than I thought I could have ever looked. I was just afraid I would have like negative ass. And fortunately, that did not happen. It's still looking fine. I was like, thank God. For that, it's like the last thing I should be worrying about, but it is something to be thankful for. He said everything looked great. And before I had my surgery, I had to get another MRI. And I hate those scans because they take so freaking long. I sat in the tube for like an hour and a half. And I remember after radiation, my oncologist and my doctor were so happy because my sarcoma had shrank about half the size. My sarcoma had reacted really well to the radiation. And so when they tell you your pathology results, they are looking for how the radiation affected your cancer. And then they also try to see the margins. So when they're cutting out the cancer, they want to get more around it in case like a small cancer cell had moved. And they just want to make sure that they get everything out and be extra careful. Once he got the pathology results back, he said, I got amazing margins. It was a little tight on the sciatic nerve and it was on the bone a little, but he's like, I scraped it all off and they were all negative. So he was able to successfully remove my whole sarcoma. And and I had never seen him, I had never seen him so fucking happy. I was like, what the fuck? Like you, like at this point we had gotten a really great relationship, but I was like, you are like, like the happiest I had ever seen him and that it most excited I had ever seen him. He's like, good job. I'm so happy for you. And I was like, good job to me. Like you did this, like good job to you. But just seeing how like happy and excited he was for me was just so overwhelming. And I felt so fucking amazing. And then to go and call my mom and dad in the car, leaving the the appointment was, I can't even put it into words, to be able to tell your parents, to be able to tell your parents who worry more about you than you probably worry about yourself that you got good news was just, oh my God, like I was on cloud nine that day and... And then just cloud nine for fucking ever until I get my next scan, (laughs) which I do have to continually get scans now every three months. Um, So my next uh, scan that I have to take is going to be in about two months and we'll see and make sure that it, it hasn't spread anywhere else, that it hasn't come back. 
fingers crossed. Um, but right now I'm just gonna fucking soak it up as much as I can. And I will continue to get scams for like the next 10 years of my life or the rest of my life, whatever, just to make sure this motherfucker doesn't come back. But can't even put into words the last seven months of my life and to go through so many other things through it. I think when you go through something so life-changing, you start to realize the things that were right in front of you even more in so many different ways. I can honestly say that this experience has changed me for the better. I just wanted to share this experience because I think that with the journey that I'm on, it's only going to help me. And I hope that I can help so many other people. And I hope that that my story can inspire other people to take back their life. You're stuck in these routines and you're stuck in, in all the bullshit you have to get done before you're supposed to be happy. Nothing is permanent. People aren't permanent. Jobs aren't permanent. Your life isn't permanent. Feelings are not permanent. I want to be the best version of myself because that's the only thing that I can control in my life. I honestly hope that everybody who who listened to my journey through this crazy bullshit the past seven months, I hope that, you know, you take something from it if you feel like you are changing or you're not being yourself or or you're stuck in something that you're holding so tight to that you know isn't meant for you because when something's meant for you, it's not supposed to be that hard. And I know that if you're going through something like that, I hope that this is your message or your sign to let it go and to just be happy and to focus on you. I hope you listen to the next episode, which will be the first half of the subtle art of not giving a fuck because that's the energy we are on now. And I know you guys think, oh, well, I don't give a fuck. Um, you do. And when you read this book or you listen to the podcast, you'll realize you're actually giving way more of a fuck than you ever thought. And I hope that that changes your life as well. So I love you guys. Thank you so much again for listening and have an amazing night and week and life and stay strong and stay focused. Love you baddies.